Thank you, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Mob. I'm here with my co-host, Tier Jones. Hey, how's everybody doing? And today, we're here to talk again about equity and compensation for employees. A pretty explosive story recently came out about Bumble. For those who don't know, Bumble is one of the leading dating platforms, big for millennials, and essentially their kind of little niche that they brought to the market was that women have to kind of initiate the conversation. Started by a female founder, she entered the space to kind of change the image and kind of change the conditions around the dating apps where there's obviously a lot of complaints around sexism and misogyny of what people would see in some of the more traditional applications like Tinder. But this story isn't about necessarily the company founding, but it's more about the fact that once again, employees of a very successful startup were left high and dry. So about a year ago, they had an IPO and it's only recently come out that almost all of the employees who built this billion dollar empire effectively were left with zero equity. So to hear you read the article, what was your kind of initial thoughts on this? Well, there were a few things. This is a pretty meaty article. I'm not sure if we can reference it or whether you have to be a paid subscriber to where this originated from. But at any rate, lots of interesting things going on here. So first, it appears that most of the people were were in a position where some people were said they were led to believe that they would eventually get stock options or, you know, RSUs. And others said, you know, no, we knew that we weren't going to get options, but when someone just got a billion dollars and you help them build this business and you've been, you know, an integral part of it, you would expect to be compensated in some way. And when it comes down to it, the vast majority of the people got absolutely nothing, yeah. which is, you know, that's a hard pill to swallow. Damn shame. <laughs> right. <laughs> so people, you know, there's a, a few people who were, you know, anonymous in the article, but they talk about, you know, saying I was one of the first people who worked for Bumble. And folks are like, oh, well, obviously you're rich or whatnot. And they're like, no, yeah. I got nothing, right? Like that hurts. And I guess the one key takeaway is, or the key takeaway for me is obviously read what's in front of you. But I think there's a certain amount of due diligence, even as a as an employee that you should do, right? What you're offering is valuable. So it's important to know what par for the course is for a given job or what the salary expectation is. Yeah. So to be more clear about that, right, in the startup world, one of the major draws of working for a startup is the possibility of potentially becoming wealthy because the startup goes public or has some sort of an exit event that yields a lot of money for people who have equity in the business. And, you know, there's this is this is something that happens. You know, I'm in Silicon Valley and there are a lot of people who are millionaires by virtue of having worked someplace for three or four years and had equity and company went public and they're millionaires, right? That is a, uh, that's something that is relatively common, frankly. So, you know, to work for a startup and not get any equity in the business is uh, tough. Like it's one of the main reasons why you'd want to work for a startup, you know, outside of the experience. So one of the things I read in the article is that a lot of the people who were felt swindled were people who were recent college graduates and they didn't really know a lot and didn't have the experience to realize that they should really be pushing for or trying to negotiate those options. 
And evidently, you know, those people who did ask for options or ask about it, the company kind of suggested that they were working on, you know, taking care of folks. Yeah. And they, I, I kinda uh, wanna, they trusted I wanna, them, right? I want to stop, really go into that part right there. It's funny, I was talking to a friend about a week ago, and she's in a circumstance where works at a startup, transitioned into sales, works for like an ad tech platform, is killing it now, right? Doesn't have the typical sales background. So she definitely felt that, you know, the sense of gratitude, right? Which is what a lot of startups basically trade on. They either trade on the mission, right? Where they're like, we're doing something good for the society. So don't ask too much about the money or we're doing, you know, like, Hey, we helped you out here. You know, you weren't really kind of market fit when you, we met you and now they're getting ready for IPO. And she's getting the delay, delay, the long email threads will we'll bounce this up. And something that I think people make a mistake of doing, right? Especially if you're young in a company, you're surrounded by other young people. I think it's that they don't know who to go to in the company about this, right? You don't ask another pauper, you know, like, why are you so, why are we struggling so much, right? You need to go to the people who are the decision makers. You need to kind of step out of your lane, right? Your direct manager who also doesn't have equity or has so little that he's just holding on to what he has, right? Mm-hmm. They're not the person that you need to be talking to. If you're really a top performer and those are the people that they're going to kind of go out of their way to make sure get equity, if they start complaining, you need to go to the people who are across as close as to the kind of cap table and equity structure, the CFO, the COO, right? Even the CTO is basically just being in most cases, right? They're not really across the financial or the investor conversations, the same way the CFO, the same way the CEO, maybe the COR. So you really have to know who's involved in these conversations that are basically about the financing of the company. And if you're smart, you're going to get pulled, you know, into certain meetings automatically where you can see the dynamic. But one of the tricks I think that these companies do is right to what they said, right? Bumble hired a lot of people out of college where they're just so grateful to have a job. They don't even realize that um, talking amongst your other colleagues is not getting you anywhere. They're all kind of, you know, swimming upstream, trying to understand, well, what is our equity compensation? Who do we ask? I was promised something. You were half promised something. And that doesn't really mean anything. Something else that kind of jumped out to me that I thought was interesting. What did you think about the whole part of the article about shadow equity? What was it? Because I wasn't too familiar with that idea, but it's uh, once you, you hear it, it, you know. Yeah. So from what I understand, it's a new a new term to me as well. Yeah. But from what I understand, there were a couple of people, some of the initial employees of Bumble who did receive equity, but it wasn't made known. And the vehicle that was used to make that happen was the shadow equity thing. And again, you know, that would be a good conversation to have somebody on here with that expertise who can speak to it more. But essentially, it was not known that these few individuals had equity in the business. And there was a comment in the article that had it been known, there would have been mutiny, right? Which makes sense. So, you know, my thoughts on that are this, this is illustrative. This reflects how things are done, right? And I think what what you mentioned about being an employee at a place like this, you know, I think on some level, if you, you know, in this market, if you are good at what you do, 
you have options. Yeah. And even if you are someone who is just coming out of school, you know, if you make the decision to take a job and you don't get options. And an interesting thing they mentioned too, is that a lot of the people weren't in the States. They weren't in Silicon Valley and they didn't think that it had this company been headquartered in Silicon Valley, if they would have been able to pull it off. But they had a lot of people who were coming from other companies. They had been laid off or they were outside the United States and they needed someone to sponsor Visa. You know, there were other things, right? People look at that as an accident or it's like, oh, it just so happens all the people that work with us are from Brazil. It's intentional that they hire. I was talking to one company the other day. They were telling me about how they hire all these people from overseas for Web3 because effectively they can not only pay them, you know, significantly less than they have to pay U.S. engineers, but they also don't have to give equity. They don't have to worry about healthcare benefits in the same way. They can ask them to work more hours on a 40-hour work week. And all that is expected, right? So these are intentional decisions. You have to really notice the patterns of a company and they'll come through very quickly. And I think a lot of people give companies startups, especially, let me not put that as companies, startups, mm-hmm. the benefit of the doubt on kind of weird behavior that if you saw it at GE or if you saw it Ford, you would instantly right. recognize that this is basically manipulative, aggressive behavior. But because it's called a startup, it's effectively ignored. And so to what you, I, I kind of want to dive back into that shadow equity piece, which is, you know, to what you were saying is like, people are given mock stock which it's not actual stock in the company, but the company agrees that whatever the stock price, that's the value of your mock stock. And it's usually given to higher ups as a means to kind of pay them off the table. So maybe you don't have to tell investors about it. You know, the investment pool. You don't have to delight. You don't have to dilute your, your Yeah, you don't have to dilute either, right? You don't have to dilute your equity. You also, like if an investor is like, oh, you've given out so much of this equity, you know, or voting rights, it's no voting rights attached to it either. So there's benefits to that. But in Bumble, she basically gave it out to her, what she called the OGs, who were her inner circle, who received equity. And ironically, they are the ones who in the article are coming out in her defense. And all the other people, if you joined before June 2020, which was one year before the IPO, they are left high and dry very similar to the MailChimp situation where yeah. kind of loose promises are made for a promising startup. We're a family. You're part of the, the journey. And then when the check comes, the CEO and a few other people at the top of the company make hundreds of millions or billions of dollars. And the people who really built this thing, you know, they had a great ride, right? They mentioned in this article that these people got to stay at the Ritz-Carlton, you know, they right. got massages at work. Breakfast massages. Yeah, all these little trinkets, these little trinkets that they throw people to basically make them look past the fact that we're not going to make you a millionaire. But hey, we sure are happy that you came in on Saturday. You know, I'll tell you, too, like for folks who are working in those places, like those free lunches are not free. There is no free lunch. No. Right. Ever. And when people are, are doing the calculus in their head, at some point they are getting ready to sign paperwork. That makes them multi, multi hundred millionaire or billionaire on paper. And there is there's an opportunity for them to share in that bounty at some point in this process. 
And you have to make the conscious decision to not do it. Because even if you got to give up part of your end, all right, it's, it's ties like 10% means a hundred million. Like that's life changing money probably for everybody who's, who's involved in, in this process, even if there wasn't any, any structure to formally do it. So what I'm saying, going back to the free lunch, when they're doing that mental calculus at the table, when they decide to cut everybody out, right. Although they're going to see a billion dollars, they're thinking about those free lunches that they gave you and those yeah. massages yeah. that they pay for and the trip to the Ritz Carlton and all that. Shit, right. They'll be thinking about that. So, you know, think about whether you would have the free lunches and the, you know, the Ritz Carlton, the Ritz Carlton uh, mini vacations or equity in the business. Yeah. Yeah. And Just if you have to pay. choose one or the other, right, you know, choose wisely. Yeah. You got the junior suite at the Ritz Carlton. Um. <laughs> and some memories, right? Some like, I guess, yeah. some, some, you, some you pics for the gram, that, right? Some moments yeah, for the gram, I guess. You get to say that you stayed at the Ritz Carlton once. But the other thing that I think is interesting, kind of the last thing I would say on this is like, know who, you know, there's so much information out there now. Like if you use Crunchbase, you use PitchBook, know who really owns your company, right? Something that this article basically revealed is that for the entire founding of the company, the CEO was not, was an employee. She was also an employee, right? Right. She, the agreement for the financing of Bumble effectively made it so that a Russian billionaire was buying the company of Bumble. Um, and I might have some of the very small details, a little bit off on this, but effectively they're 80%. The company. Yeah, they own 80% of the company and she had no essential voting rights in the parent company. So effectively, she's just employee number one, right? That's all her position was. It's now been restructured the way these deals with PE works. He sold the guy who owned the parent company, sold it to a private equity firm. The private equity firm realizes she's actually probably the most valuable asset in the company because she's the face of it. And it looks very good for you know them to basically have her as the, you know, the real CEO. But for all of the time, right? You can go to her and tell her like, hey, I'm not being compensated and I want equity, but she's just, you just, it's like going to HR. You're just talking to employee number one. Right. You're not talking to someone who has actual decision-making power. And that's what I'll go back to what I said before of figure out, don't go, complain to your boss about the equity. Sure. Go to him once or her once, you know, but if you're not really making traction towards getting equity, like owning the business, you need to figure out who actually has a say and are you valuable enough that they are willing to make the sacrifices? Cause nobody wants, you know, I'm kind of relating stories, but this happened in WeWork as well, where, you know, everybody got gerrymandered out of their, you know, their equity. I had a buddy who was, you know, overseeing entire buildings, you know, skyscrapers basically in WeWork and, you know, the way they set up his equity deal, it was almost valueless by the time right. Right. they had to, to right. go into SoftBank, like rebought them. So yeah, you have to really know who owns you, owns, not you, but owns the company you're working for. That's the person who owns your time. And too many people, I think, are still going off of the, we're a family, we're on a, an exciting journey together, all this nonsense. No. But they're only looking at it from, I gave this person a free meal 
and a massage. And now I get to work them for 60 hours a week and they don't own any of this. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing how highly intelligent, highly accomplished people, they work for a company. They don't really think about, they don't really even know really what position the company's in. And these are sometimes publicly traded companies where you can look, they have to share their S1, like they have to share what's going on, what the numbers are. And often people just, they are not aware of things that would plainly give you an indication of what's going to be happening down the road, right? You know, in a startup, earnings aren't right. Earnings are slightly off. Projections are off. You can best believe around the holidays, somebody's going to be losing their jobs. Before, whenever the fiscal year is up, there's going to be some people getting laid off. Yeah. And and the other thing, too, is like speaking of what you said, if it's not on paper, it ain't going to happen. Assume the worst. Right. Assume that if whatever is being offered you or whatever's been being communicated to you from an employer, if it's not on paper, assume that that's not going to happen. Right. So when they were saying, hey, we're going to take care of you, we're working to take care of you. You know, everybody gives you like the, like you said, the past because it's a, it's a startup. But no, this is a this is a business of very well capitalized business as well. That is that should be positioned to compensate people based on what the compensation is. So a lot of that is if you've got people aren't going to accept that, if people refuse to accept it, then the company can't get away with it. So there is that as well. But, you know, yeah, if you didn't uh, get it on paper, it, it didn't happen. If you know, I, I totally agree. It's a case of for a lot of these people, I think if they only would look at it like they look at, as I said, like the GEs of the world, but they because I think people who work at big companies, they already know what time it is. They know that they're trying to get that some big companies trying to kind of make a move on them, use them for their time, right? There's more of an established kind of modus operandi, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that like, look, give me the equity in four and give me my GE stocks and stop telling me that it's coming, right? No one, GE wouldn't even really try that. No. They, the employees aren't going to fall for it. No. Right? And even Joe Blow, like even Joe Blow plumbing company that has four employees. Yeah. It doesn't take much to get that stuff in place. Gusto. What are some like there are plenty of services that can execute this for a business. So if it's not there, it means that it's something that hasn't been prioritized. And if you're getting, you know, free breakfast and free five minute massages and, you know, <laughs> you know, free retreats to the rich. You know, and, they, and they really do cap those massages. They really do. They actually like, yeah, like they really like, do. They're like, they here's really 15 do. minutes. Don't you dare go over your slot. So they really do. People need to understand the extent to which employers, companies, regardless of the rhetoric, you are a line item. You are the most costly thing, costly thing in them running their business is payroll. And, you know, it's way more expensive to have you as an employee than what you get after taxes have been taken out. They're paying for all kinds of extra stuff that you're probably not thinking about and and aware of. They're paying tax for you working there that you're not thinking about. There's cost, there's insurance. Insurance. And and it is not cheap workman's comp. Like it is not an inexpensive proposition. And I think people would be you know, they'd be well served 
to think about it from that perspective. So you can plan if you are going to be an employee, so you can plan your experience <laughs> better. Right. And no, uh, it's, it's, the, it's the entire interview. And this is a whole separate conversation, but people think of the interview process as can I get, can you, will you please hire me? Right. You, you need to figure out whether you want to work for this place. That's to me the first step. But then the next level of like kind of the conscious employee is, well, how much am I really being compensated? Everyone fights for the base salary, right? But really how you get wealthy as in anything is you have to be an owner in some means or manner, right? That's right. You can take less risk by being an employee who owns a little bit of stock, but know what that stock really means. Right. How quickly are your options expiring? Are you actually getting, where's the trajectory of this company and who actually owns this company? Am I going to get screwed because everybody that's dealt with this CEO or dealt with this, you know, like don't go work for Adam Newman's new startup. You know, the second something goes wrong, he's going to throw you and everybody that works in your office under the bus. Right. That's Think right. about these things because it's not simply your compensation. It's basically you're investing your time. And you're hoping for a higher yield, which will get you towards kind of financial freedom. I don't think 95% of employees are thinking that way yet. No, nah, man. I think, you know, people are just trying to, trying to get the bills paid and you yeah. know, just get uh, by. And that's get the by. thing. That's a shame because, you know, it, it's really difficult to make clear, to think clearly and make good decisions and to be your most creative when, you know, you're mired, mired in that. So that like the job, jobs, the employer employee paradigm kind of defaults to that. Right. Yeah. So got to be mindful of it. For sure. And with that said, thank you everybody for joining a very interesting conversation. If you do have access, check out that, that Bumble article. The link will be in the description. You want to kind of study these wreckages. You want to study these companies so you know how to avoid it. Right. So you can avoid these scenarios where you put your life energy, you, you know, work your ass off to kind of make somebody else rich and you don't even get a cent. So that's another episode of Mob. We're always excited to chat about employee empowerment, new means of ownership. Unfortunately, this week was just how people got skipped over for the bag. Hopefully next week is a little different. That's right. See y'all next time.